This is KCBX Central Coast Public Radio. I'm Father Ian Dullinger, and I'm playing with food. What you hear in the background is the sound of beer being made. Actually, you're hearing the sound of beer being canned. Beer has been around for a long time, about 13,000 years. It's since been refined into stouts, pale ales, hefeweizens, lagers, and other classic styles. But recently, the craft beer explosion has led to some pretty interesting flavors. I first encountered flavored beers at beer festivals in Greater Manchester in the UK, where the Belgian fruited beers became very popular in the early 2000s. It was then that I came up with a rule, for only myself of course, don't put stuff in my beer. Since then, I've discovered milk stouts, orange wheat, habanero IPA, chocolate stouts, and more. Not too long ago, my rule was challenged by a local brewer. Central Coast Brewing was showcasing their peanut butter stout. So I met up with George and Matthew to find out how on earth a peanut butter stout is made and why. George Peterson, Central Coast Brewing president and founder. Matthew Suchek, Central Coast Brewing brewer. Okay, so we're in a brewery. Uh, You and I were at an event where you had your truck. There were four beers and only one of them was normal. Yeah, uh, normal. Wow. The We were at a chamber mixer, and the, our truck has four taps on the side of it. And that day, we had Terrifico, which is a Mexican lager with sea salt and lime. So that's pretty normal. Then we had uh, Lucky Day, which is very normal. I would say the iconic West Coast IPA. And then a hazy IPA. In this case, it was Sabro, which is Sabro which is a hazy double IPA. The last beer, which is not traditional, is a peanut butter stout. So that's probably the one that is the most unique of those four beers we were pouring that day and was kind of a one of, honestly, when it started, has become so popular mostly because of the package to begin with. And then the package drags you back into the beer and the beer is really good. And so now it's a reoccurring package purchase. And it's also a marketing agreement with Skippy. And we're talking about a stout in July. That is not when that beer should be popular. And we are literally out of it again in the middle of July. And we should have been out of it in September. It doesn't do as well in tap form as it does in can form. And that's the complete opposite of all of the rest of our beers. All the rest of our beers have a tap presence with a can back. The can of peanut butter supports the tap and the brand completely opposite of the other 17 beers in our portfolio. Most people, when they go to a bar, want draft. Flavored beers typically don't do as well in the wild. They do really well at tap rooms and at the source because then we can kind of showcase it, we can talk about it. But when you put them out there with the tap wall of 30 or 40 beers, it's going to be IPA, Kolsch, Pilsner, blah, 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 you know, some sort of core rotating speed selling beer. And then down here on the right is going to be the double hopped triple IPA and the peanut butter beer and a triple hazy and maybe a sour. Unique to CCB and Central Coast Brewing, we have a raspberry sunrise, which is a kettle sour that pairs very well with the peanut butter beer. We call that a PB&J. Two unique styles. Both of them as a style should be very underperforming. They should be portfolio fillers. Nobody would ever pro forma a beer portfolio and say that more than 5% or 10% of your portfolio is going to be these unique styles. Not the case. Raspberry sells out as soon as it's done. Peanut butter sells out almost the day the cans hit. 
and put them together at a party and they're just the little dance couple because they love each other and it's so much fun. It, it happened at a wedding. That's how that branding started was we had the two on tap. We had raspberry and peanut butter on tap. And um, one of the bridesmaids said, well, I'm going to make a peanut butter and jelly because that just sounds fun. And Kelly and I took it and ran with it. Did she mix them together or yeah. drink them side by side? No, you mix them together. You literally put, and it's good. It really is. It's a really dynamic flavor. Um, we'll try one a little later. Okay, because <laughs> I don't believe you at all. <laughs> we usually do it at chamber mixers, and that's where it's like, oh, my God. It's really fun to, to watch people get out of their shell. One of the places you do that is at chamber mixers and beer festivals and places where you've got a brewer, an owner, a brewer owner, truck driver, whatever the representative is, physically making people go down a road they don't typically go down. You've got this peanut butter, you've got this raspberry. Do you just make some beer and just throw some peanut butter in at the end? No. I'm going to defer that one to Matt. Okay. We actually use a peanut extract in the beer and Skippy. There's a little bit of Skippy in every batch. Using just raw peanut butter alone isn't going to give you that pop of flavor that you're usually looking for when you have a flavored beer like this. And so using a peanut extract, it really makes the flavor stand out in the beer. You're not getting just like this thick, hazy, muddied mess with all this peanut butter in it. So you can still have a really nice, clean beer, but the flavor comes through in a nice, strong profile. There's certain flavors that are kind of hard to harness. Some are much easier, like raspberry, very potent flavor, right? But strawberry, normally you have to add a little bit of extract in there, even if you are using like a strawberry puree, just to kind of help it pop. That's how we achieve the flavor in the uh, peanut butter, and that's happening after fermentation is complete, after we've dumped all the yeast out of it, and we're going to start clarifying and carbonating the beer, um, and that's when that would be added in. This is KCBX Central Coast Public Radio. I'm Father Ian, learning about flavored beers. George and Matthew at Central Coast Brewing in San Luis Obispo have described how it's made. But are flavored beers just a recent fad? I've always avoided the flavored beers. One of my rules is don't put shit in my beer. And that rule came in when I was living in Britain and the Belgian beers became really popular, particularly like the Frambois, where they have a lot of these flavored beers. The first beer I drank that was flavored was the one that is flavored with local tortilla chips because somebody gave me a can. And then the second one I tasted was the one with the peanut butter at that event. So I've been avoiding them. So how long have these flavored beers been around? Well, the Belgians as a whole have done stuff to their beer since biblically speaking because it wasn't just beer. It was food. So they were using local berries, local fruits, anything local that they could get their hands on. You know, the fermentation acts as a safety valve, especially if the water's iffy, which, you know, centuries ago, you know, water was pretty iffy. So the boiling process, the yeast process, the whole fermentation process as a whole helps to safety valve your food source a lot. So having extra sugar, chocolate, peanut butter, raspberry, you know, so an oatmeal stout is a beer with shit in it because it's got oatmeal in it and the oatmeal is the thickener. The oatmeal gives it head retention, makes it a much better beer on nitro. I take that back. I did like a particular oatmeal stout from Yorkshire, which we get here, and it's actually harder to get in Britain because you have to be in Yorkshire to get it. In Yorkshire, <laughs> yeah. Even the ESBs had um, molasses in them. Fruited beers, I think, traditionally have been popular, very popular in you know Western Europe. Belgium is its own little game there, but you know France has always had a French versions and the, the strawberries and the olive berries and things like that. Domestically speaking, I'd say most of the fruit stuff that you've ever seen here 
has been the shandy, the light summer beer type of thing where, you know, Ewing and their lemon shandy. Starts probably on the East Coast. The one that comes to mind on the West Coast is the Pyramid Apricot, which was groundbreaking when it came out in the 90s. And it tasted like an apricot basket of jam. I mean, it was amazing. It was a really amazing, you know, that bright orange and cloudy in the head space. And, you know, that had a little tinge of orange on the space and on all the foam. It was an amazing beer. But again, mass-produced to their level and mass-produced at our level and then down to the one keg brewery guy. What's the difference between a loaf of sourdough bread from oral wheat and something from Back Porch Brewery or, you know, bike bread? Handcrafted, hand-touched, lots of variables, lots of seasonality, lots of water table problems or, or pluses. That's the difference between a handcrafted loaf of bread and, a, you know, bread off of a stack of two truckloads worth. That's what we do. So when you say fruited beers as, a, as an aggregate, where'd the fruit come from? What kind of fruit did they use? How much fruit did they use? Our raspberry beer has, what, 48? So yeah, it was a couple hundred pounds of raspberry puree. It was probably a small truckload of raspberries to smash down to that level of raspberry that's in that one tank of one batch of our raspberry beer. When I was doing my apricot, segment. I was out in Sea Canyon. Then this guy shows up with his truck and we help load his truck. And he's like, I'm taking them to this brewery in Berkeley. Pyramid. Ah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) No longer there, unfortunately. You have these different flavored beers and you corrected me. I have tasted like oatmeal stout. What flavored beers do you have available right now? We have the Trifico with the lime and the sea salt. The same beer in that portfolio, the base beer is a Hellas Lager. So the Golden Glow Pale Lager is the same beer as Terrifico, but then the Terrifico has the additional fermentation and the lime and the sea salt. Raspberry, absolutely, with the raspberries in it. Peanut butter with Skippy and and peanut butter. A stout that we make when stouts are popular, which is in the winter, has oatmeal in it. Um, We have done a milk stout with lactose. We have done a pastry party beer, which has coconut and vanilla and some chai extract in it. We do the black lager general swartz and we do the black lager general swartz with coconut. So we take the same beer and just literally put toasted coconut right into the fermenter. Boxes of toasted coconut and it has a very unique coconut flavor. Very pleasing like a coconut cream pie. How long and how many batches does it take to balance out all of these flavors and make sure they work? Some of them are first game. Wow, this is so easy. (laughs) Look how easy this was. And other ones are five years, three years, two years sometimes to get truly the sweet spot, I guess. You know, like where the raspberry is. So the raspberry is a crop. Every year the raspberries change. And every year the raspberry color goes up, color goes down. This one right now looks like a rosé because there's very little color in the actual raspberries. The raspberries now are almost pink. Three years ago, when there was a really abundance of water where the raspberries were grown, they were that deep ruby red. Again, we're not making excuses for the different colors. We're actually playing towards it. Hey, this one's this. This is the 2022 raspberry crop. It's more rosé looking. It tastes like raspberries. It just has that rosé look. Last year, it looked like this ruby. Oh, okay, great. So, if you're a large corporate brewery. That type of variance isn't acceptable. You can't get away with it. You know, people are expecting SRM pink, you know, basically a color profile pink with a really narrow color band. I can go from a light pink 
almost peach color over here to a dark ruby red in the same can, same beer, and not getting any trend. So when you grow and you're on that big corporate national distribution level, that's when you end up putting in chemicals and additives. And expectations get expectations override typically the creativity and the flexibility that we are kind of revel in. You know, if we don't want to make a beer because the raspberry is not good enough, we don't make it. And just tell everybody we're out of raspberries. Sorry. You're listening to KCBX Public Radio for the Central Coast. I'm Father Ian, learning about the history of flavored beers. Central Coast Brewing produces a peanut butter stout and a raspberry beer, among others. Matthew the Brewer took me out to the brewing tanks to show me how it's done. You'll hear all the noises of beer making, especially the canning that was taking place that day. So right now we're just running off from our lauder tun over into our boil kettle. So that's the wort that's being collected in the grant there. And you see the water being added on top. That's for our sparge. So that kills any enzyme production we had going during the mash. Also helps strip out all the extra sugars that are in the grain so that we can get a nice sugary wort so that we have a solid base to ferment off of. And once we get to about 20.5 barrels, then we're gonna start boiling. And so it's gonna boil at around 213 degrees. And that's what gonna sanitize our wort. In this one, we don't have any hop additions in here, but this would normally be where you add some hops to um, create the IBU content in your beer. It breaks down the outfasts in the hops during the boil. But in this beer in particular, we'll be adding the hops into the whirlpool, which is gonna be adding um, more flavor and aroma to the beer. Okay, so this is your base beer. At what point and where and how do you put stuff in it, like peanut butter and chocolate and milk and things that shouldn't be in beers? Depends on the adjunct. So the base beer, just grain, that gives us the base sugars. So the base sugar is what the yeast will attack and play with and become alcohol. So without sugar, you won't get beer. The grant keeps extracting and extracting out of the grain more and more sugar until the grain is pretty much exhausted. Depending on what we're doing, so like a kettle sour, like raspberry, we put the raspberry in right in the fermentation. Right towards the end of fermentation, so maybe about a week in or so. Once we see the gravity drop low enough, we kind of know, okay, there's not too much time left in fermentation. The yeast are going to start autolyzing out and dying. So we want to get the raspberry in so that they can consume some of the sugars from that fruit. And then it'll create the higher alcohol content that we're looking for in the beer. And it just rounds out the flavor a little bit more than just adding in a bunch of just like whole raspberry or something that isn't going to be broken down or eaten at all. Yeah, all the other stuff would usually just be either during fermentation or right at the end. Like we might do an extract or something and that would happen once fermentation is complete. We've dumped all the yeast out of the fermentation vessel and we begin to start carbonating and clarifying the beer. That would be when we add in like say a lime extract or something like that. And so that's going to be done as we're mixing up the CO2 because then that helps just kind of spread it out throughout the whole beer and so then we can kind of carb and get our adjunct in there at the same time so it makes it a little bit more efficient. And the CO2 helps like a carrier when you're trying to add flavors and add esters, flavors, and olfactory things that the smell is what you're looking for. Maybe the overall taste isn't there but that smell is what makes the oh my god you know the peanut butter. The peanut butter smell is what hits you first then the peanut butter flavor. Without the smell, that beer would be one-dimensional. Extracts, any of the zests, spices like coriander, like the chai beer, all of that has to go in pretty much post-fermentation or you would get this interaction with the yeast that typically gets probably predatory would be the best way to look at it. The yeast is there to fight for itself. The yeast is such the biggest factor overall in all of the brewing. 
if the yeast is bad or under nutrient or it's just not healthy, your beer's not going to be healthy. It's going to have less fruit. It's going to have less natural carbonation. It's going to have less residual sugar. It's going to have not as much alcohol. There's this really fine chemical balance here with the yeast, the sugar, and anything else we add to it between where the beer goes from really balanced and really good and really nice to really annoying flavors. Vegetable soup, green apple, butter, popcorn, canned corn. Sulfur oxidized is just a flat tongue. So if you put a flat beer in a can, there's no CO2 trapped. So it'll go oxidized, which is worse than having too much CO2, which will cause it to pop. It's such a fine balance. So when you're adding these flavors that aren't typical in beers, it's knowing that fine balance when that particular additive won't disrupt the chemistry. Totally. And that's the difference between a really good lime salt Mexican style beer and one that tastes like amusement park lime juice off of a snow cone. It's green, it looks like lime, but wow, pucker pucker. And if you use the wrong salt, table salt, for instance, you don't get the salt taste. Table salt dissolves in whatever it's salting. So if you use sea salt, which is designed to be in solution in the ocean, it weathers the beer process much better. So there's a lot of the process that goes into it that also makes a really big difference on how those flavors are gonna interact with the beer. So I've learned about flavored beer. I've seen it being made. How does it taste? Well, let's uh, try the Terrifico and the peanut butter stout, because those are the ones on tap. So this is the Golden Gold. This is the base beer, right? Okay. So it's a Hellas Lager, which is a Munich-style Hells, which is a Hellenic style, which is unique to Germany. It's a very fruit-forward, sweet beer in the base. It would definitely be a summer beer for the Germans. Let me taste it. Cheers. Very nice, clean, refreshing, quaffable summer beer. And then this is the Terrifico with the sea salt and lime. Yeah. Yeah, I can, the, the lime coats the tongue. Comes through. Yeah, and definitely comes through. Okay, so this is the peanut butter. Yep. Well, you can definitely smell the peanut butter as you put it up to your nose. Yep. And if you close your nose, the beer tastes completely different. Okay, I'm gonna try that. You're right. And then when I let my, when I... When you breathe back in, it's like, whoa. Yeah, the peanut butter was on yeah, the back of my throat. Yeah, it yep. got up, yeah. <laughs> wow. The nose is definitely peanut butter. The taste is more kind of stout with a... Caramelized. Yeah. The yeah. Roasted peanut. It's, it's definitely more the roasted caramel, chocolate, coffee almost. There's a residual bitterness. Typical stouts. We could make this more buttery and more milkish with lactose, but I don't think that's where we're headed. It's definitely a beer that the peanut is the forward focus then it's still a solid stout when you're done. That's what I think people enjoy about it is they're not there just for the peanut butter, but oh, that's pretty good. Wow, uh, yeah, you know, I'll have another one. It amazes me how popular it is. It's really cool that people are willing to try something different and not be afraid of it. I didn't actually get to taste the PB&J, the raspberry beer and the peanut butter beer mixed together, but I'd say what I did taste wasn't bad. I will probably stick to my rule in general, but I'm now more open to giving some of the more unique flavors and styles a try. There are so many craft beers on the Central Coast, whether it's a lager with salt and lime on a hot summer day or a peanut butter stout on a cold winter's night, there's something for everyone. I'm just waiting for the steak and potato stout, which would be a true liquid lunch. This is KCBX Public Radio for the Central Coast. I'm Father Ian, and I'm playing with food.